Welcome to the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Teams podcast, Why Language Matters. This podcast is meant to explore words, their meaning, and how we can use language to be inclusive. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Cultural Conversations. These conversations, you may know, are a safe, safe and respectful place for us to get to know each other and other sun runners through learning about their culture and different lived experiences. It's a safe and respectful place to listen, learn, and engage by asking questions. So we do encourage you to ask questions. I'm Nicole Doyle. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm located in Orange County, although currently I'm in Arizona, where I'm from, uh, visiting some family. I'm the program lead here on the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging team, and I'm here to help moderate the Q&A at the end of our conversation. I'm really excited to introduce you all to Deanna. Um, Deanna is... I've been so fortunate to get to know her these last few weeks as we've been preparing for this. Her spirit, tenacity, and just perseverance is just so inspiring. So we're really excited to hear about you, Deanna, um, and your story. Hey, everyone. I appreciate you all coming to listen. It means a lot. Um, so I'll go ahead and start off by introducing myself. My name is Deanna Hernandez, and I'm one of the clean energy district managers here in Chicago, Illinois. I work in the retail division side and basically help you know continue new business for the company um, within Sunrun. And I've honestly loved this journey ever since. Um, but before we get into how awesome Sunrun is, and um, I'd like to let you know a little bit about my upbringings. So. Way back when, um, <laughs> I was born and raised in Aurora, Illinois. We call it Little Mexico because sincerely, you will find flea markets, the paleta man just ring ringing on the corner. Uh, you'll find a cotton candy man with a whole bunch of cotton candy on his, like a, this big stick. And you can literally get anything you'd like in this town. Um, the town has really molded into our own little Hispanic community. And it's truly beautiful to see. My mother and my grandparents, um, they all came from Monterrey in Mexico when she was very young. Right around three years old, my mother and my great-grandmother and my grandparents basically mentioned a lot of the struggles that they had gone through. Whether it was performing jobs that no one would like in order to survive, or it was just getting the harassments from the day-to-day. <clears throat> Eventually, they all found better work and found better pay, but it always wasn't easy. I wouldn't say we were really poor, but we definitely were paycheck to paycheck, if not credit card to credit card, right? So fast forward until I was born. <laughs> I was born premature, no complications, thankfully, but I became a big responsibility for my mother. She constantly worked and worked and worked, but luckily I had my grandparents and my great grandma to help. They helped raise me and eventually my little brother came along. My mother and father never married, nor did they stay together. My dad was very abusive, and so my mother refused to let us see him. I've seen him probably a total of three times that I can remember in my younger years. No one really spoke highly of him, but yet I still yearn to get to know the other side. In my later years, I do get a chance to see that side. So my mother was very strict when I was growing up, so my brother and I would always want to go to my grandmother's house to get spoiled instead. <laughs> I now realize that the hardships that my mother went through as a single parent were a lot of growing pains, the stress, the tasks of taking care of two kids who literally had endless pits for stomachs. <laughs> I know I did. Um, I've learned a lot from my mother, though. 
I've learned that women do it best and women get shit done. One thing I wish I would have known though was how to speak Spanish at an earlier age. My mom tried really hard to make us as American as possible, it seemed like. The only Spanish I learned from her was when she yelled at me in Spanish. <laughs> I knew I was in a ride then. I didn't really get to appreciate my Hispanic roots until my early teens. I'd eventually help my grandparents at some of the church events, helping them pass out the homemade horchata or the agua de Jamaica, all the great food that we'd be surrounded by, especially my great-grandmother's tamales. Who loves tamales? Does anybody love tamales here? Yeah? Me. <laughs> I think everyone, right? <laughs> if you don't love my tamales, at least. I don't know if we can be friends. Just kidding. <laughs> my great-grandma's tamales were some of the best. And so when she retired, unfortunately, she still had to work. We all had to, right? So I'd grow up being a helper, learning how to mix the masa, learn how to season the meat, pretty much learn the ropes from start to finish, etc. But when I was younger, food was just food for me. I never thought of anything else of it. So fast forward to my early 20s, um, I actually started getting a big girl job, I guess you can say. <laughs> I used to work at a bank called TCF. I started off as a teller and worked my way up to a supervisor and then an assistant branch manager. This was the first time in a long time that I felt proud of myself because I was actually making something of myself, or that's what it at least felt like. I've been on my own since 18, and so those first few years were really struggling for me. I finally felt like I could breathe. Later that year, things would suddenly change, though. After a lot of movement, going to different locations and working without a car was really tough. It was hard to go where they wanted me to. I had said, no, I cannot help at this location, or hey, that's too far, I'm sorry, I can't, etc. About a week or so later, I was actually let go for not fulfilling management duties, just like that. It left a really bad taste in my mouth. Soon after I had lost my job, I had a lot of extra time on my hands and started feeling very sorry for myself and then doubting myself that I really couldn't do anything else. I ended up hanging with some friends that you know, were from a bad crowd, and I did actually get arrested a couple times in my early years. If I didn't think it would be hard to find a job before, that made it 100 times worse. I couldn't get back into the baking field at all. I would get hired and then get let go because of my background. It really took a toll on my mental health and my independence. I was tired of moving back back and forth. And so eventually I tried moving back in with my grandma, but after a month or so, she kicked me and my boyfriend out. I had too much pride to go back to my mom. I tried staying with her as well after the fact that I lost my job. But when I had, when she had saw me get arrested and everything like that, she, if what it felt like, like she disowned me, right? She said I belonged in jail. And so I never spoke to her again, or at least until later. I no longer had any support from my family. It was just my boyfriend and I. Luckily, we did have some friends who'd let us stay with them here and there. Other times, my boyfriend and I would watch movies in the park from our car radio that actually converted into a DVD player, which was very helpful. Um, so we were able to pass the time. The money that I had saved slowly started to fade. I had to rely on my boyfriend a lot at that point. 
Sadly, his income as well and his background also stopped us from finding a new place to stay for a while. That was a very tough year. I eventually started donating plasma just to have money to eat and to have gas to go around, but mostly I ended up going to gas. I would have never thought that all the quote-unquote friends that I had would ever really help. I mean, I had a couple, but as far as letting me actually stay with them, it wasn't it. So we could at least sleep in someone's driveway so that way we didn't get harassed by the police if we were parked on the street. Others let us sleep in their garage that, you know, if they had couches or anything like that. But I never really knew what it meant to own nothing at all. Eventually, after it felt like having a midlife crisis at 22, I began to realize that what I liked doing with my time was all up to me. How creative did I want to be, right? What, did, what could I spend my time doing? And so I went and thought back to my childhood. What did I like doing? What did I feel like I was just in a whole different realm? And so friends would allow me to use their own their own kitchens or like ovens and pretty much just I would bake. I'd bake cookies, brownies, cakes, anything I could make fairly quickly, but also cost effective as well. In 2013, I did end up establishing a small baking and cake decorating business. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but eventually I taught myself a little bit more. I learned how to cake decorate with some YouTube videos and eventually taking some classes at my local craft store that helped me build my skills here and there. I once again became very proud of myself after a long year or so where I just, I felt empty. But I finally was earning money again and using the skills that I had already learned growing up. So I owe a lot of that to my grandma and my great grandma. Growing up, I'd be responsible for making everyone's cakes for the family or anything like that, or just baking sweet treats for when we all got together. While I was establishing the baking business, I still needed more income to survive, let alone try to start this business from the ground up. I did with my what my great-grandma did, and I continued to learn how to make tamales from start to finish. She taught me all the recipes of my favorite tamales. That was a must. I definitely had to know what I needed. <laughs> um, but I quickly seen how she was able to make money and continue working and making a way for her, herself. And so I said, hell, why not? Let me see if I can get some clients built up. And so... After a few months of that, I gained quite a bit of clients. Some ordered two to three dozen. Then I had some people order about 10 dozen or so. That's a lot of tamales for one girl to make. I tell you what, but I did it. And so I worked my ass off knowing that I had a lot of catching up to do, or that's what I felt like. So fast forward a year or so, I finally made enough money to start renting again. My boyfriend's grandpa helped co-sign on a rental, and we were no longer homeless. I then found a smoke shop that I could work at part-time and eventually helped manage it. I needed benefits, so I eventually work, went to work for other companies like Apple IT, United Healthcare, and then even Allstate. After many years of not being happy or satisfied with my work environment or just the company standards alone, I ended up leaving. After experiencing the time of 
being able to survive and make my own way, just using my own two hands, I knew I didn't want to settle for the next job that I chose. And so I actually was out of work for a few months after that until Sunrun's recruiters called me. I almost didn't even bother, if you can want to believe it. Um, I was like, solar in Illinois? What the heck? I had no idea. But it was one of the best decisions of my life. I do all the hardships that I've gone through. They have molded me to become stronger than I ever thought possible. All of my life, I would have never appreciated our food and our culture so much until I was able to turn it into a business and survive. I owe a lot of that to my great-grandmother, though. God rest her soul for teaching me to stay close to my roots and knowing that a lot of people enjoy our food. <laughs> so present day, when I can, I now make an effort to support underprivileged people, whether it's helping them find education sources or housing efforts or just even trying to find food. I work closely with our Illinois state representative that I had the pleasure of knowing in high school and had seen her blossom into now a state representative. Before then, she did a lot of community building and a lot of community work that I was able to kind of stay in touch with and help. I've also helped out in food pantries and just a few months ago and with Abigail, actually, um, we helped plant 10 fruit trees in my local community garden that feeds the pantry right across the street. Now, no fruit or anything's going to come from it yet, maybe about four to five years or so, but it's a start, right? No one should go hungry, no matter what. No matter the situations that come our way or the challenges, we all should be able to find people that we can rely on or at least have a shoulder to cry on. We should all be here for one another, plain and simple. In a nutshell, I continue to care for those and love those that are in my circle and whomever crosses my path, you will forever be loved and cherished. We are here to make a difference in each other's lives and empower one another. So my call to action for you is to make sure you are empowering others instead of tearing them down and living your life to the best possible. Thank you. Wow, Deanna, you're so just amazing. And I, you know, even in that last segment, I'm like, that's, that's you stepping into your power and with the help of your family and your ancestors. And I just think that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening. So we'll open it up for questions. Um, if you have a question, feel free to raise, raise your hand or simply just come off mute. I have a question. Um, Deanna, you have gone through so much trauma, but your, your spirit is just so soft and sweet. And I'm just curious how, how you use some of what you've been through as fuel to be an empathetic, caring, and inclusive leader here at Sunrun. Well, I'd have to admit, I, I did have a period of being you know, very cold and withdrawn. And the fact that I knew that feeling that way wasn't resonating with my soul. And so I knew I had to make a change eventually, regardless of the pain or, you know, lack of forgiveness from others. I had to find forgiveness within myself 
and know that, hey, I am responsible for my life now more than ever. Knowing the fact that in a split second, everything can get taken away. We have to cherish our life every single day. And for those that are around us that actually, I guess for lack of a better words, give a shit about us too, right? <laughs> um, but I've I've definitely expanded that in my whole being, I feel like, just for the simple fact that I didn't really have many people to rely on and to count on. And so now I I try to be that person, right? It's like the saying, be who you needed when you were younger. And so that's my mission. I know I needed all that when I was younger. And so now I'm there for others that need it now. Um, I can speak. Thank you, Deanna, for sharing your story. Um, it's very beautiful. And um, I like seeing the background of everyone and where they came from and how they are where they are today. Um, my question for you is more toward what you were talking about toward the end where you are involved in communities. I know me and you did that tree planting, which was amazing. I'm curious where um, you started and how we can do that in our own communities and where to begin with that. Yeah, so your inner communities have um, public hearings, you know, they have people within the district that can help, you know, with any policies nearby and just getting the word out, right? And so once you know who's involved with making decisions within the city, you're then able to start going to those events or anything like that, or if not, provide your input and opinions to to show them, hey, this is what the community really needs, right? Everyone is outside looking in, but if you're within the community, you have a better saying on, on what everyone really needs, right? Like you're the one who's there day to day, not some political being, right? I, I think it's just a difference between the less fortunate and those who have gotten chances. So I felt that they really didn't know what we needed. And so I chose to speak up a little bit. And so luckily for me, um, uh, the state representative, um, her name is Barbara Hernandez. And I had the pleasure of working with her in high school. And slowly after she had graduated high school, she was involved with a lot of the um, little government in um, Aurora. And so with her, that's how I found out, hey, going to these public hearings, figuring out, hey, we do have a voice um, or just even offering up ideas for, hey, we need this or we need that. Is there some way we can execute it? And so that's kind of where it started. And the food pantry guy, um, he helps at the Marie Wilkinson Food Pantry here in Aurora. And they created this community garden right across the street. I would have not met him if it wasn't for Sunrun. I met him in one of the Home Depots that I had worked in for a really long time um, and had done really well there as a clean energy ambassador before I got promoted. And so we all became really good friends. I built the relationship within the store. And so eventually I found out what they did outside of Home Depot. And so you never really know who you meet what they're going to be doing right outside of the work environment or, or anything like that. Um, so I highly, highly recommend networking as much as possible because you don't know who else has those ideas that you want to share as well. Thank you. I know that was long winded. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> 
Hey, Deanna. Um, I'll jump in here. First of all, just want to say thank you for sharing your story. Um, a lot of that resonates with me just growing up here in uh, Colorado. We had a very similar experience. Aurora in Colorado is kind of the same, <laughs> very Hispanic, uh, very diverse uh, community. Um, but I just wanted to hit on two points. I got a very similar background um, as you. Um, started off in banking, got my leadership experience in banking. And, um, you know, quick story. I, I, one of my first jobs was uh, working at Target when I first came out of uh, high school. And, you know, my my wife now at the time was pregnant with my first child. And uh, I used to go outside and, you know, I'd just take my break. And there was a, a tamale, um, a lady, a tamale lady is what we called it. Uh, her and she used to sell tamales right and she was always there always grinding and so she reminded me a lot of my mom it sounds like you've had some really strong women in your uh in your life as well and so you know just want to tip my hat it's a hard thing to do um you're you're grinding day in day out don't know where you know how much money you're going to make and again it takes a, a lot of a lot of pride and just a lot of work to do that so thank you for doing that in your community um, but, uh, my question for you is, you know, you kind of spoke a little bit about the pride that you get from working in banking. Um, my dad, when I told him I was going solar, um, kind of somewhat rolled his eyes, laughed and was just like, what the hell's solar? Like he used to do banking. And so I went through this like experience of, you know, having to rebuild this pride with my dad on the work that I was doing. And so I kind of want to hear your experience with your family. You know, what's, uh, what, what has that been like going from, you know, banking to, to what you're doing now. Yeah, they were very um, skeptical, of course, um, especially for newer industries or any new sector that starts off within the state, right? Um, there's always a lot of turbulence in the beginning. Um, my, my parents really didn't get a chance to tell me too, too much afterwards, because there was a moment of time where we just didn't even speak anymore after I had, I guess, officially disappointed them with, you know, having been arrested and then losing a really good job. Um, it was really hard to get any approval from them. Um, so my mom and my stepdad were very, very harsh on that. And I never really got any approval, even for just finding a good job. Um, I had left at 18. So that kind of left a really bad taste in their mouth. So anything that I did after that was, just a disappointment. So at, at one point, I just, I didn't have to care anymore. At the end of the day, their opinions and their way of being no longer affects the life that I choose to live. And once I've gained that sort of independence and that mentality, at that point, I just said, hey, step aside and watch me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen no matter what, regardless of I have your support or not. So I'm kind of just left it at that. Yeah, that's awesome. I felt like I kind of went through that with my my parents as well. I, I had to separate myself as like the suit and tie guy. You know, they were used to me showing yeah. up for dinner wearing suit and ties and, you know, being orgulloso and being so proud of, of their son who's now, you know, doing banking. And I had to kind of separate myself from that. And, you know, I think long story short for me, like my parents are very proud because they see how happy I am in the work that I do. And I think it's important for, for the Latinx community to see that, that it's not just, uh, you know, one of the, the, one of those jobs that you want to just do because it's good for the community, but it's also, you know, you get the same benefits out of it. So thanks for sharing, Deanna. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing Joel as well. Thank you. Yeah. So, Hey, Deanna, 
Um, thank you so much for sharing that story. And I just want to kind of like uh, chime in to just like relate to you, not so much a, a question, but our stories are very similar. Um, more particularly, um, being driven, right? It's it's kind of like that spiritual alchemy where you you transition like lead to gold. You take the negativity and make it a positive. And um, you know, I found myself. I came from California, um, and that's that's where a lot of my uh, Mexican family is, um, and it's where all my family is. And I moved here to New Jersey. I literally have no one. <laughs> and so um, I found myself in that space that you said, you know, we all need someone to have a shoulder to cry on um, and to be there. And I, I literally went through a divorce because <clears throat> I moved here because that's uh, New Jersey is where um, my ex-wife is from. So I moved here for her. and uh, And I went through... Uh, COVID and um, going through a divorce with literally no one. And um, so I, I really relate on that, that part that you shared um, and just being like a, a single father and, you know, having literally no support here. That was what drove me to be successful and being a part of something like Sunrun you know, that has that mission goal and, and being part of a, a company that does treat you like a family, um, that really helped a lot because Sunrun kind of became my shoulder to cry on. You know, I had Jason Lehman who was just like, dude, you're killing it. And all the crap that you're going through right now and you're still successful, that's incredible. And so I, I just really wanted to like share that that's awesome that we're all going through this and I, and I appreciate you um sharing that story because it helped me to not feel alone in this journey so wow brandon thank you so much for sharing and i did have the pleasure of meeting you early on i know we had gotten i think we had gotten promoted around the same time right and they had set up that that big old group chat and stuff like that with you know getting nope. to know one another and, and to be that support um so yeah i'm, I'm happy to hear that you chose to I guess not necessarily dwell on what's happening, right? But choosing to use that to propel you forward. Because at the end of the day, as sad, as sad as it is, life will continue to go on, regardless of how we're feeling, what we want to do. It's just going to happen. And so definitely enjoying the ride while you can is a huge plus. And so you got me over here in Chicago please feel free to reach out if you ever need anything or just need to talk. Um, I know I know how tough it can be to feel isolated. So you're not alone anymore. Yeah, I appreciate that. Deanna, I just want to thank you for sharing your story with us and sharing your journey um, I just feel honored to know you, um, doing this with you these last few weeks has been such an incredible experience and has inspired me so much. And I love that, that call to action you gave it. It was really empowering to hear you give that. And I, I'm committing to that and I want to do those same things and, you know, improve on my, my leadership capabilities by learning from my past the same way that you have. So thank you.
Thank you, Kenzie. Yes, it's been a beautiful experience get, getting to know you ladies and everyone else on this call um, who's joining in. I never, I never knew what it felt like to have like a support group, right? Um, I, I feel like it was like that stigma against like, oh, you have trauma or oh, you have issues going on or oh, you have mental health issues, like, oh, just keep a hush hush, right? And so I really appreciate the fact that we are normalizing this. And as a matter of fact of the trauma that people go through or just, you know, just ill situations, whatever it may be, they truly do impact us. And so even with doing this, I I felt like that weight was lifted, you know, like fully forgiving yourself and everything that happened and using it as more fuel, right? To continue to kick ass. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and by the way, like reaching out to the community is actually really, really simple. Um, I can tell you when, when I was in California, I was involved in um, a lot of charitable organizations and it's literally just as simple as letting the community know that you exist and what you what you're pushing to go for so it's about like you know we have social media which information is is so easily transmittable now um and exposed to a broad you know broad spectrum of people and we can reach out to literally anyone um but even even just simply putting out flyers like if you if you want to start the food drive definitely with food there there are some rules there um because you have to, you have some uh restrictions but if you wanted you know make like what i did was there was a um there was a program called step up and um what they did is they took care of people who were suffering with mental illness and as we all know you know our taxes barely touch um medical and none of that money goes into mental health. So um, I started a charity where literally I just put bags and gathered toiletries, you know, just things like that. Cause I went over to the building and I asked them, I said, hey, what do you guys need? What, what is it that, you're, that you find that you can't afford? And they said, oh my God, we need toilet paper. We need toothbrushes. We need soap. We need makeup. We need all these things, right? So I went, all right, cool. So I just gathered a bunch of people and we just bought all this stuff and put bags together. And then we brought it over and gave it to them. And they were literally crying and so grateful that someone just actually cared. And, it, and it, that was simple, right? I just had to walk into a building and ask them what they needed. And then I just went and gathered people and did it. So it's very simple for those of you who are um, curious as to how you can go out and impact your community. Just do that. That's awesome, Brandon. Heck yeah. Yeah, totally. I think yeah, you just don't realize it, right? Until you choose to take a moment and be like, all right, let me look some stuff up or hey, who do I have to reach out to? And luckily, yeah, social media is constantly sharing a lot of little events and whatnot. And I appreciate a part of the community that has started to take care of everyone else, especially now that we've gone through this pandemic and are still going through it and are, you know, still going through our phases of life. Um, it helps to know that other people do care. And so I think of it this way, what, 
what do I want like my gravestone to say, right? <laughs> like I want I want to be known for someone who is helpful. I want to be known for someone who genuinely cares for other people and you know, and just know that we're not here to make it alone. You know, I mean, just with especially with our sales teams that we have, um, the fact that I have this level of empathy has truly allowed me to have such a huge support even within my own team and for us to work together, you know, symbiotically and just it just works really well because I can come from a place of understanding instead of just being someone's boss. And so I, I don't consider myself um, above anyone, even if you are technically either making more money than me or hierarchy, whatever it may be, we're all equal. And once we realize that, there's no judgment. There's only just wishful, helpful like thinking. You know, you always just want to help other people and hope for the best moving forward. So that's my logic, at least. <laughs> I have another question for you. Um, if you could go back in time, what is an advice that you would tell younger Deanna? You said, what would I tell my younger self? Yes. Um, that it's going to be okay. And you just keep creating and keep making life beautiful. Um, and that's what made me, you know, do cake decorating and I actually started painting. I never did, you know, never did that, but I used to doodle and stuff a lot when I was younger. And so I think it's very important and very healthy um, for us to find small passions or small hobbies, like things outside of work. I feel like after a certain point where I was just such a workhorse, I never really took the time to take care of me. You know, because I felt like I had so much catching up to do. So I was just like, work, 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 work. And then the exhaustion came, right? So just saying that it's going to be okay. Take time for yourself and have fun. I, I just want to jump in with another comment here. And I, you know, Brandon, Deanna, this goes to, to both of you. Uh, I really appreciate the vulnerability I think that we're, you know, I've never seen this with a company I've been with before. You know, I've talked to Nicole Marcus about this, but it's important that I think that as human beings, we we open up about our, you know, our, our stories, our histories, but also the vulnerability that both of you guys are sharing with, you know, your stories, um, especially when it comes to mental health. I think it's important that we, um, as Latinos, especially are talking about this, right? I, I think there's a, a really strong um, kind of just, energy at being Latino that you're not supposed to ask for help. You're, you're supposed to figure it out by yourself and you're not supposed to talk about the things that are, are difficult. And uh, I feel like I've seen it a lot more this year and really just want to tip my hat to both of you for, uh, you know, just bring, being vulnerable and opening up about, uh, you know, your stories and, and, and needing help at times. And oftentimes it's conversations like this that really help us uh, in, a, in a therapeutic way kind of get through it. So appreciate you both. Thank you, John. Yeah, doing this and running through it and then, like, trying to think back. I'm like, hell, I've gone through this, this, and this. Like, oh, my God, like, what else? And so there's, you know, quite a few things that I still left out. But those were some of a lot of the, you know, changes in my life that drove me either insane, right? And then 
tipped the scale and went the other way because I knew that's not the life that I wanted anymore. And so especially with being a, in a Hispanic um, upbringing, you're completely right, you know, not really trying to ask for help. And that's where a lot of the pride comes in from um, sharing that we are not okay. I've never, I never grew up sharing how I felt with my mom, right? And and telling her, hey, mom, I don't like it when you do this. Or, hey, I don't like, I don't like this. Or, hey, you know, it was just like, hey, do as I say type of deal, right? And so um, having that type of upbringing, I had to relearn who I wanted to be and, and find out who was Deanna, right? Or who is Deanna still to this day? I think there's still a lot of moving parts, even in my life today, where I'm still trying to figure out, hmm, now what's my next venture, right? What what else can I get into? You know, because you have that 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 fuel now of like you've gone through all of this and now you've been able to dictate your own life and create it. What's next? And so I'm definitely a thrill seeker, though. I have found that out. <laughs> um, I, I can't have a boring life for one. Um, and I remember back when I was in uh, worked in insurance sales. Oh my God, that was the most boring thing ever. Um, no, you know, no disrespect to anyone who does uh, insurance sales, but holy cow, totally different compared to the solar coaster that we experience today, and the constant ups and downs, and you know, the things that some of our teammates go through. And you know, it's definitely no boring day here with Sunrun. And so I'm, I'm definitely happy where I'm at. And I feel very proud of myself for how far that I've made it, even still with struggling with a lot of those past traumas that I thought I healed from, but I kind of just buried them. So it's nice to get it out. Yeah, that resonates with me too, Deanna. Um, a lot of my, my background has been burying problems. You know, I've talked to a few people just about death in general and not knowing how to process emotions. And I think it's in our culture that we we're, we're strong, we're, you know, we don't talk about these things. And so, you know, really just again, uh, love how inspirational this has been. Uh, love hearing about your story. And again, the fact that you've been through so much, uh, a lot of dark periods, but yet you're still optimistic. You're still kind of happy-go-lucky. I love to see that. Love the energy. And I, I now understand where Nicole was coming from about your just your, your energy in total. So thanks again. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, I would just say that um, one, one advice for anyone who ever goes that we're talking about mental health now. Um, one thing that I found helpful in my experiences is that having a moment of being aware of time, just as Deanna mentioned, like time still goes on, right? No matter what you're going through. Um, being aware of that, right? You think back to all of the things that you went through that Deanna just um, guided us through and shared her story, all the things that she went through and where is she now? So we all have a similar similar experience. We've all been through our downs as well as our ups. So if you find yourself in a down period, just take a moment and think of yourself in the future, looking back at yourself now. And saying, man, I made it, right? I, I went through that and I survived it. And be in that person and feel that being in that place in the future. 
and looking at yourself now. And using that as a, as a way to meditate and get yourself through hard times, I found it's incredibly um, powerful because it's true. How many times you look back and you went, wow, I made it through that. And so if you find yourself again in that, in that low point, just imagine yourself being back at that high point again, because said solar coaster, life is also a roller coaster. So that's just one little thing I want to add in. Oh yeah. Truth right there. Um, you just got to choose to not be the victim of your circumstances is what I've learned. You know, despite, despite how life really can be, of course, we want things to, you know, constantly work out for ourselves and stuff. But when life truly tests us, that's where our true strength is, right? If we can actually overcome it and, and I'm happy now <laughs> that I've gone through all of that um, because it definitely molded me to who I am today. Um, because now that anytime I see someone else like that or I, you know, I'm starting to feel down or anything like that, I, I quickly remember I'm like, hey, nope, not today. You know, we're here. We're here for a reason. We've made it this far. There's no stopping now. Right. And so I owe the fact that I've lost everything and, you know, became homeless. I, I owe all that now because my work ethic is impeccable. I can work every single day for a few months straight without a break, right? Because I'm just that dedicated to my cause. Um, now, I definitely try to take a little bit more time for like self-care and and just to be with family again here and there, even though it's still weird at times because you still feel that tension. But choosing to be the bigger person sometimes is better than leaving that resentment or that anger building and life's too short. Life's too short. So. Exactly. And that's and then another, you know, first struggle for me was always asking for help and that, and I had the same experience. I was homeless because um, I was a diabetic, um, you know, back before there was um, universal health care. Um, so I couldn't even get healthcare and I was a college student. And, um, so I ended up living out of my car and I, I actually gave up because I was, uh, there was a pride issue, you know, as a man, I couldn't, I couldn't say that I, that I was failing. Um, and I also wasn't allowed to cry. So for me, I just kept pushing and I ended up being hospitalized, um, because I couldn't afford my insulin. And so, um, and that was when, you know, my father, uh, he essentially called me stupid, right? Um, he's like, you should have asked for help. And I told him, I said, yeah, if I told you that I needed help, what, what would you have said then? It would have been the same, right? Um, so it was at that time when I realized, like, I shouldn't care about that, right? Um, I should always ask for help. Because at that moment, I was like at the, the brink of death and, and I had to be in a hospital. So, um, so yeah, not, not wanting to go back into that, that homeless moment and feeling that shame of not asking for help um, and coming to my own decisions based off of past experiences or traumas and assumptions 
we always got to be the bigger person and and realize that we're only big people because we have others to help us to be big. Um, and it's essentially the first lesson that we're taught when we're born. You know, many many other mammals can walk when they're first born. We can't. Literally everything we we depend on others in order to survive from day one. And so um, coming to that realization was a big one, and I had to be homeless in order to figure that out. Oh my God, yeah, totally. Um, you know, thanks, and thank you for sharing that as well. Um, and, and sorry to hear that it it had to get so bad, you know, in order for you to to kind of realize. But I. I used to consider myself really stubborn and, and hard-headed, I guess you can say. Um, I was very rebellious growing up too, so that really didn't help. Um, but definitely figuring out like, it's okay to ask for help. And once I realized that, I, I take it into consideration like now I owe you a favor, right? You didn't have to help me, but you did. So now I will find a way to repay you however I can, right? Whether it's just like, hey, you want, for me, everyone would want some food for me. They're like, oh my God, you're cooking? All right, I, I'll take that. Don't even worry about it. Screw the money that you let me know. It's okay, let me <laughs> let me get some food back. Um, or little stuff like that. So I, I try to find it, or find a way to give back if I did receive help because there's that pride again, right? Like I, I don't always like asking for help, but when I do, I at least want to, show the other person that I appreciate that they even helped because not many people get that right away or get that at all. And you constantly giving, 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 but who's going to give to the giver? Hey guys, me again. Um, Deanna, just curious and Brandon, this might be a good question for you both as well, but why do we struggle asking for help? Why is that such a hard thing for us to do? Is that a cultural thing or is that like, uh, what, what would you point that to right if you have to. I would think it's slightly cultural um, as well. And then just even like the environment that I was uh, brought up in, where if I did ask for help, I wasn't able to get it, right? And so I was like, I just learned, I'm like, hey, just not gonna ask for help anymore. And then my grandfather being that big old machismo, you know, oh, just do it yourself. Ah, you, you got it. You got it. And so it was a lot of that, you know. <laughs> There's the word. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's culturally and it's also the fear. I've always had a fear of being a burden on others. So, um, you know, assuming that even if people were like, oh, no worries, we'll, we'll be there for you and we'll will help you. For me, I'd be like, yeah, but now I feel like I'm bothering them. And, and then I feel, you know, more than being a, a positive aspect to their lives, which I always wanted to be, that if I'm asking them for help, I'm bringing darkness into their lives. And so um, that's why that was for me personally, but, but definitely um, culturally, for sure. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's always been kind of like a, a pride thing, you know, take care of yourselves. Like what would your ancestors do walking through the snow being nomads, right? Um, would they be, would they be complaining and would they give up, you know? Totally. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of what I was itching at here a little bit is 
I feel like machismo affects both men and women and it's masculinity at the end of the day, right? But the rule is you shouldn't ask for help. You should figure it out. And especially, especially in Latin culture, I feel like it's more profound. It's like exponential that you figure it out. You make it work one way or another. Um, Abby, I saw you just raise your hand. I just wanted to make a quick comment too. I feel like as a, a community, um, we should make every effort that we can to make therapy less of a taboo subject. Um, I just talked to my mom about this recently and told her I was going to be, you know, doing some therapy. And she's just like, equal, you're not crazy. Why, why are you talking to somebody? You're not crazy. And you don't have to be crazy to talk to somebody. You have to be human to talk to somebody. Right. And I think we all have our own stories and just want to put that out there that, you know, our company thankfully pushes us. You get three free therapy sessions. And so definitely want to encourage everybody to take advantage of those. So. Yes, I agree. Um, I had a session yesterday and we talked about, I think I talked to you, Joel, about it too, about getting um, a second therapist for a specific, for grieving, because um, I think it's very common for Hispanics um, who grew up with parents who told us not to show emotion or never had that conversation with us. And therapy is so important and it's that step to getting there that's the hardest but once you do it's totally worth it and i did want to add to that conversation of asking for help where it's both of your parents who think that you don't need the professional help and will try to brush things under the rug or just not have that conversation with us and i think it's our job to change that and to have that conversation with the next generation and make sure that that doesn't continue to make it okay to talk about mental health. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Abby. Um, sorry to hear you're going through some things as well, but happy that you're taking the action to talk it out. I think one of the things that I should have done a long time ago was talk all that crap out right? Instead of holding on to it and holding on to that pain and that trauma. So that way I never fully healed until I did this just because yesterday in our dry run, I was, I was all over the place. <laughs> um, it, it brought up a lot of pain and emotions that I thought that I had healed from, but I just kept burying them down and, you know, still tried to use it as fuel, of course, but I never let it fully go until I said it aloud that I appreciate the hardships that I've gone through. And it, it was almost like a, a switch that just clicked off. And it, it made me feel more empowered that I too am going through things and, and so are other people and that it's okay. And that we should be able to normalize the fact that sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Um, thank you for calling that out, Abby. I actually started because um, you know when when I was going through my divorce, um, and so my daughter my daughter she's five, and everyone was always telling me, I know you're going through an emotional time, but you have to be strong for your daughter. And so you know I I thought about it and then you know but I couldn't like I, I was always crying right like morning afternoon night screaming in the pillow. Um, and I said, why, why should I hold it back when my daughter's here? And so I decided, I said, no, I'm going to cry in front of her. And I'm going to show her how I process those feelings. And it allowed her 
to come up to me and put her hand on my shoulder and tell me that it was okay. And because of that, I feel now she's going to know that it's okay to cry rather than me hiding it. Cause that's, that's the family environment that I had was that you, you don't cry and you, you don't cry in front of people. And if you do cry, you go into your bedroom, right? And then, you know, you only, you only cry to your mother, right? And that's it. Everyone else, you, you hide it. So, um, so that's what I did. And that's, that's how I process it. Um, I just allowed it. And, and my daughter, every time she would see me, you know, she would, she would just tell me, even, even if I seemed okay, she would say, daddy, everything's okay. And, and I needed that. So she became my rock through, through this whole thing. And thank God, because I had no one else. It was literally her. And I only see her half the time. So um, most of it was just you know, me, me alone in silence. And then when I would see her, she would be the one that would just tell me it was okay. Well, you are now raising a very strong woman. So I'm happy to hear that she's becoming your rock and understanding that Sometimes even our own parents are going through things and just keeping that honesty open speaks so much more volumes than hiding it. So I'm happy you do that with her. Deanna, any, any last words from you? Any, anything on your end before we part ways for today? Um, yeah. Um, so for the call of action, that I've told you guys about, uh, let me know what action or what steps of action you guys are taking, whether it's to empower yourselves, to empower everyone else around you, or to just be that helping hand, right? Because I feel like we, out of everybody else, understands that it's okay to have help and to get help and to be the help. So thank you guys. Appreciate you all. And thanks for listening. Thank you, Deanna. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.